Come on, grab a seat. Well, this morning, I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. I am so thankful for all of you that you're with us this morning. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do what I love to do, which is share the Word of God with you this morning. Um, for those of you who are new, we see a few visitors here. Um, first of all, I just wanted to highlight, Pastor John is here today. Woo! Yes! So glad you're here today. Uh, it's such an honor to have you. And um, my name's Matt. I am one of the pastors here at Life Church, uh, along with my wife, Tanya. We are the lead pastors here as of two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So it's still, it's still the novelty is still there. It hasn't worn off yet. And uh, it's going pretty good so far. So yeah, we're excited to be with you this morning. Um, so what we're going to be doing this morning for everyone that is uh, new here or uh, wasn't here last week, we started, uh, kicked off a brand new sermon series entitled Values. And last week we talked about our purpose statement for Life Church, and our purpose statement is this: we are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. That is the purpose for which we are here. And over the next eight weeks, we're going to be kind of building off of that idea by highlighting some values. And these are values that um, my wife and I were able to pray into and put together, and then we submitted them to pastors Mike and Ev. And then we also submitted those. We went through a kind of a vetting process there, and then we submitted those to our elders. And so this is actually values that line up with Life Church. We want to honor the past, and we want to look to the future because God is doing a new thing, isn't he? Amen. He's doing a new thing. So this morning, we're going to kick off the values portion of our, of our series. And over the next eight weeks, we're going to be highlighting eight values. And this morning, the value is we value the Word of God. We value the Word of God. Everybody say, the Word of God. The Word of God. And if, for each value, we have an application statement. We have something that kind of lines up with that. And here's the, the, the application statement is this. We build our lives on His Word. We build our lives on His Word. So how this is going to look moving forward, Life Church, is you're going to hear us say a lot, hey, because we value the Word of God, X, Y, and Z. When we talk about this idea of values, the, the, the dictionary definition is simply a person's principles or standards of behaviors, one's judgment of what is important in life. And if you want to know what's important to Life Church, you're going to find out over the next eight weeks, so you don't want to miss any of these. Because this morning we're talking about the value of the Word of God. We build our lives on His Word. If I had a big idea today, this is my big idea. In a world that has no greater standard of truth, than the subjective self and personal experience, we rely on the Word of God as our firm and stable foundation. I'm going to repeat that one more time. In a world that has no greater standard of truth than the subjective self and personal experience, we rely on the Word of God as our firm and stable foundation. All right, here's what this is going to look like. We're going to go to the Bible because we value the Word of God. And we're going to read two scriptures. That'll be our text today, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this. You guys with me? All right, here we go. 2 Timothy 3.16. 3.16 and 17, and then the other one, actually, you know what, I'll, I'll just read that one. If you guys want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 29, if you have your apps, you can flip in your apps. If you're at home, you can put down your cinnamon bun for a second and your coffee, and you can turn in your Bible with us to, uh, oh man, cinnamon buns. That was something that we did when we were at home. 
all the time, so that's why I always bring that up. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 29 is going to be our text today. I'm going to read to you uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, Matthew seven twenty-four to 29 says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Somebody say the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Uh, and so it was when Jesus had ended these things that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between the soul and the spirit, discerns to the intents of the heart. God, we thank you that your word will accomplish what it is set out to do, and it will not return void. And this morning, we come to you under the authority of your word. We declare that we value your word, we're grateful for it, and we are so thankful that you have given us this revelation of who you are, that we can line up our lives with it. We pray this morning that not one person would leave the same, but that we would all be changed by the power of your word. I submit myself under it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, in talking about the word of God and in talking about values, I was reminded as I was studying this week that I had a very interesting conversation this summer about values and about the word of God with an atheist. And we were camping this summer out at uh, Gallagher Lake, which is in Oliver. We had this little cabin down there by the water. Anybody ever here been to Gallagher Lake before? Do we have any? It's worth checking out. It's a cool spot. And we'd never been there before. And so we had this little cabin down there by the lake, and we had this picnic table out front. And wouldn't you know, the first day that we arrived there was the hottest day. It was beautiful. And I spent most of the day on my laptop up at the cabin in front of my cabin there in the, on the picnic table doing a business deal. So all day I was just sitting there working on this, on this laptop while everybody was down at the beach. And then I would take a break. I'd run down there and jump down. And what I noticed is that my neighbor that was right across the way, he was staying in a little camper over there, was kind of watching me the whole day. And so near the end of the day he came over and he goes, hey, I couldn't help but noticing that you're working on a MacBook. And he says, most people that work on MacBooks are very creative. What are you doing on this? And I said, well, I said, I, actually, I'm working on a business deal. But I said, I'm also a pastor. And he goes, oh, so you're creatively taking people's money. <laughs> he had a twinkle in his eye. I knew where he was coming from. There's lots of grace here. It's very hard to offend me. And I just laughed. I thought, that's hilarious. So we ended up talking, and he was like a really nice guy. And he says, well, actually, I'm an atheist. And I said, oh, okay, that's great. And so we just kept talking about this idea, and then he kind of went away. He actually gave us a little boat. He's like, hey, we've got this extra dinghy here that we're not going to take home. Do your kids want it? And my kids were like, yeah. So he's a really nice guy. And the day went on, and at the end of the day, we put my girls to bed, and I had one more time-sensitive thing I had to do on my laptop. So I sat down on my picnic table there, and I was working on my laptop, and it was dark out, and everybody was around the campfire. We had some family members up there, and they were over at the other campfire. And so the gentleman comes back and wants to talk. 
And so we start talking, and I'm trying to get some work done, so I'm kind of half paying attention. And, and I, so I, then I stopped, and I put the laptop down because it was rude, and we were just having a good conversation. And he was trying to dig, and he started telling me a little bit about what he did. It was very impressive. He was a very impressive guy, very successful at what he had done in life, and, and um, kind of an older, not an older gentleman, but, you know, getting up there in age. And, and so he was kind of sharing with me some of his stories, and then he kind of wanted to know a little bit more about what I did. He says, well, tell me a little bit more about what you're doing. And I said, well, I, I help people through life. In business, I help people with business. And in life, I help people through life. I help people get from point A to point B. And he goes, oh, that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. He goes, you know what you need to do? I said, what do I need to do? He says, you need to go into the schools because kids need to know these things. I said, that's brilliant. He says, you need to go into schools and you need to teach kids values. Isn't that interesting? He says, because kids these days don't have an understanding of values like we did when we were growing up. He says, so you need to do that. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, because you know what the problem, the challenge with that is? I think that's brilliant. I think we should definitely do that. But I said, you know what the challenge we have is today in our society? The challenge we have is, where do these values come from? And how do we know that we have the right values? See, we live in a world today that is drifting further and further away from a standard of truth that is consistent. And we live in a world today where people are glomming and grabbing on to their own versions of truth and values. I said, listen, I said, There's, we, the problem that we have, I said, there was a time where Canada was founded as a Christian nation. And we had a unified idea of what values were. When we talked about values, we all had a similar thought about what that was. But the era era that we live in today, and here's the thing. One of the things I love about Christianity is that God has given us a free will. And so people have chosen to walk away from those values. And I said, so listen, I said, for me, I want to tell you, I believe that there's a God. He's an atheist. And I believe that's a reasonable and rational idea. And just as it's reasonable and rational because God has given you a free will that you would choose not to believe in him, I believe that there's a God. And I believe that he gave us a standard for values and it is found in the Bible, in the word of God. And I was able just to share the gospel with him. It was so cool because after that conversation, I went to the fire and hung out. And the next morning, I got up and I ran into him. He was standing outside with his wife. And I was like, hey, how'd you guys sleep last night? He goes, I didn't sleep at all. He was like, I was just thinking about what you were talking about all night. I'm like, yeah, get him, God, get him. There's something different when there's a people that have a standard. There's something different when there's people that know why they believe what they believe and they can stand on it. Church, as life church, we value the word of God because we build our lives on his word, not in a subjective thought. See, we have these critiques today of the Bible. We have these, these problems in, in society that, that, that makes it hard for us to bridge this idea with the people around us. One of these challenges that we have today is that this idea that truth is relative. This idea that truth is whatever you want it to be. Um, I recently heard a pastor talking about this idea. His name is John Finocchio, and he shared with us this idea of deconstructionism. I'm not going to deal with all of that today, but what we're going to deal with is this ethic 
of the great ethic that the world holds today around us, which is the ethic of kindness. And lest you think I'm talking about kindness from the idea of, you know, the fruits of the Spirit or the good kindness, this is what this type of kindness looks like. Here's the, here's the idea of the society around us and how they think about the idea of absolute truth, okay? This is what they believe. Number one, there are no absolute truths. That's what the world is taught. How dare you say there's an absolute truth? Number two, there is only what is kind to other people. And then number three, what is kindness according to the world? (laughs) Which is an absolute truth, by the way. Kindness is affirming other people's truths and lives in experiences and ways of knowing, which is the highest truth, letting others live in their perceived reality. This is the world that we find ourselves in. So in other words, you could say, you could walk up to somebody and they could say, listen, you know what? I believe that honey is not sweet, but it's spicy. And you know what the response is in this world? Well, good for you. Good for you. Or you could have somebody come and say, well, I believe that the world is actually flat. Well, good for you. Right? I believe that gasoline, you know, we could go on and on and on. We could go on and on and on and on. This is the world that we live in today, church. This is the world that our young people are being raised in where there is no standard for truth. There is no standard for values. This is the second thing, second critique to the Word of God. Another critique to Scripture is that we are evolving new and better ways to think about everything, and the Bible is no longer relevant. You know, like, man, we've just, we've evolved so much now. We've got these supercomputers and we've got these new ways of thinking about things, and we don't need the Bible. You know what, church? I love how Ecclesiastes says it. He says, history merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. If we think for a moment that we have a brand new philosophy, a way of thinking, if, you know, epistemology, a way of thinking that nobody else has ever had before, we're way out to lunch. C.S. Lewis labels this idea as chronological snobbery. Yes, we've got it figured out now. Obviously, we're way more advanced than those, you know, heathens from the past. Whatever, you know, ignoramuses from the past. Like it's, it's, it's this idea. So here's what we've got. We've got this no standard for truth. We think better than everybody else. And when these two modern ideas are able to influence us, then we begin to custom build our own versions of truth. So this is what it starts with. I'm in charge. Okay, for, you know, let's say there is no God. If you, there is no God, you are God. You're saying, I'm in charge. By the way, that's a heavy weight to carry. Number two, I choose my truth. I'm going to take oh, from here. Hmm, I like that. It's kind of like um, going to, what's that yogurt place, babe, that we go to? Menchie's. It's like go to Menchie's, right? How many like going to Menchie's? You can pick your own toppings. You should try it sometime. It's awesome. I've got kids, so I know this. You get your little ice cream, and then you go, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of this. And I'm going to take a little bit of this. And I'm going to, well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. It's my Menchie's. Do whatever I want to with it. You can take whatever truth you want to. You can take truths from here. You can take truths from here. And, and you know what that's like? I'm going to build on that. I'm going to build on this. You know what that's like? It's like building a house on sand. Are you with me? It's like building a house on sand. Why? If rock is the whole, then sand is fragments of the rock. 
And so what people do today is they take these fragments of rock and they do their very best and they build these beautiful foundations out of sand. But what does the Bible tell us? When the streams rise up, when the winds beat and blow against the house, it collapses. It erodes away. And it will not stand the test of time. Meanwhile, the rock is the whole truth. He says, he who hears these sayings of mine, what is it? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's his word. It is the whole truth of God. We have a statement here for Life Church. Our statement of faith is this. We believe in the inspiration of the Bible. God's word comprised of 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. And that it is accurate, authoritative, and applicable to our everyday lives. We believe that. You know what it is, church? It's 66 books written by 40 different authors in three different languages over a period of about 1,600 years. Yet we believe this is an integrated message system that points to Jesus. We build our lives on his word, not on fragments of truth, but on the whole counsel of God. The word of God. Here's a couple of thoughts about that. First of all, the Bible is not merely a handbook of morality, but it is a narrative of redemption. Can I just tell you right now, the key to understanding the scriptures and the key to growing in your faith is actually the person of Jesus. Why? Because number two says this, the focus of the Bible is not us, but to reveal Jesus. Jesus says it this way, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. They point to me. Every word in this book was written to point us back to Jesus. Do you see how cool that is? <laughs> if this was just a rule book, right? This is what we could tell you to do. Okay, church, we are going to go home, and we are going to study and memorize each rule in this book, and we are going to master this, and then we are going to save ourselves. You search the scriptures thinking you will find eternal life in them, right? We're going to figure this out. But here's what it says. This isn't about those rules. This isn't about trying to figure it all out. This is actually about pointing us into a relationship with Jesus. And every value and every law and every rule and everything that's written in here is actually meant to point us back into a relationship with the living God. Not just an idea. Not just an understanding. But the person of Jesus. He is the rock that we build upon. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 says, And all of them drank the same spiritual rock, and they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Jesus. As the Scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Here's, I love John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then the Bible says that now the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. 
I love that idea. In other words, if this Bible grew arms and legs and a head and walked into the room, Jesus is here with us right now. He is revealed in the Word of God. Our standard, our foundation for our values is found entirely in the Word of God. So what does that look for us practically, Life Church? Moving forward, as your pastor, what does that look like? This is what it looks like. I am submitted and surrendered and under the authority of the Word of God. You will not be getting a lot of, hopefully not, my opinions here on Sunday mornings. Why? Because there's a generation that needs to know the standard. There's a generation that needs to know and have an encounter with the presence of God through His Word. There's a generation that has to know what the foundation is so that when those fragments of truth come into their lives, when the fragments of truth come into your life, you know that there is a standard that we, we, we line that up against. When the enemy comes in like the flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. And that standard is the Word of God. Are you with me? It is the Word of God. 66 books written by 40 different authors over 1,600 years in three different languages, yet it's an integrated message system that points to Jesus. Amen? Amen. We value the Word of God, and we will build our life on His Word. Okay, so what do we do with this? How do we respond to this? Number one, we come under the authority of Scripture. There's this principle of interpretation called uh, this idea that everything the Bible says about a subject is the truth of that subject. You know what I love about the Bible is that there's actually tension in the Word of God. There's various ideas that are put forth, and if you read it all through, you might go, oh, that sounds like it's contradicting each other. Whenever you find a contradiction in the Bible, it's meant to point you to Jesus. Let me think of an example. Okay, that's one of my favorites. Paul tells Timothy, he says, Therefore, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so which one is it? Be strong? Work out? Get some strength in me? Get some understanding? Or is it grace? Because grace is God's enabling, working in us, allowing us to willing to do his good pleasure. So is it strength or is it grace? Is it strength or is it grace? The answer is both. And it's found in the person of Jesus. He came ministering in grace and truth. There's a balance. If it was something that we could figure out, we wouldn't need it in a relationship with Jesus. We could just do this all on our own. But these tensions point us back to Jesus. I love it. Society does not inform our view of the Bible, but the Bible informs our view of society. Okay, a lot of these things I'm telling you right now, this is truth. Okay? And whether you know it or not, we are prone to drift into this way of thinking. Whether you know it or not, that ethic of kindness that I mentioned earlier permeates everything in society right now. So anything that has to do with pop culture or anything like that, that idea is actually a foundational idea that is influencing us. And we need to remember that we come under the authority of this, not the authority of of the world around us. In case you're wondering, this is a note from my Bible that says, I love you so, 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 so much for my daughter, Aubrey. And I keep it in there. (laughs) Why did that paper fall? That's why. Society does not inform our view of the Bible, but the Bible informs our view of society. 
Let the word of God change your thinking. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we let that happen? Through the word of God, by the washing of the word of God. It's, It's the word of God. We must allow the scriptures to teach us how to think straight. Oh, this is N.T. Wright. Because by ourselves, we don't. We think bent. We think crooked. This is both natural and supernatural. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. We need the Logos word, the written word, that's the Greek word for the written word, in our hearts so that it can become the rhema word. And the rhema word means living word. When the Spirit of God puts his presence on this word and it gets, comes into your heart, it's like this, 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 these ingredients that are put together, this recipe that creates power and confidence. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and strength. It's his word, church. It's his word. What do we build our lives on? We build it on the word of God. What do we build this church on? We build it on his word. Come on. It's not my opinions. It's not my thoughts. It's the word of God. Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. Amen. The key to understanding and applying the scriptures is a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Come on. Number two. We encourage each other to study the scriptures daily. Acts 17 verse 11, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Okay, don't believe anything I say. (laughs) No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, you can believe what I say, but you need to check it with the word of God. Okay, let's not check our brains at the door here, church. Let's be people who are aware, who are awake and aware, who are studying the scriptures daily to make sure that what we do here lines up with his word, lines up with his will, right? It doesn't line up with our will, it lines up with his will. Let's be Bereans. Let's be like these people that are noted in the book of Acts as being more open-minded than those in Thessalonica because why? They listened eagerly, And then they checked it out with the scriptures. They searched the scriptures daily to make sure that what Paul and Silas were teaching was the truth. We come under the authority of the word of God. Let us be a people of his word. A people of his word. Um, One of the subjects, N.T. Wright wrote this this great article about the Bible. And he says that, that is why within my tradition, the reading of the scripture is not merely merely ancillary to worship, something to prepare for a sermon, but it actually itself is part of the rhythm of worship itself. I just like the way that sounded. That was really good. He's talking about it in context of in the the Sunday morning service, they read the scriptures as part of worship. But also let this, let the Bible become a reading, become part of your rhythm of worship. Get the Bible inside of you. Come on, you with me? It's the Word of God. It's the whole truth. It's the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ. We build our lives on the rock. 
which is the whole truth, not fragments of the truth that we pick out and create on our own. So how do we do this? Let's give you a practical response. Number one, we got to read it. 1 Timothy 4.13, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging believers, and teaching them. So how can we do this? Well, there's some great Bible reading plans that you can find on the internet, on Google. You can just Google Bible reading plan. Um, I actually had one on my phone, and um, it's funny. I was reading, I, wrote, I, I read, um, pardon me, the, the New Living Translation on my phone, and there's this Bible reading plan on there uh, on the Bible app. What's that Bible app called again? The Bible app, and uh, Version Bible. Anybody got the Version Bible on their phones? And so there's this great Bible reading app, and I was reading it every day, and I realized that what it looked like is every morning when my kids would come down, they'd see me on my uh, reading, they'd see me on my phone. And it looked like I was just texting or checking Instagram or something like that. So I actually felt convicted about that. And I told Tanya, I said, honey, moving forward, I'm going to read from my Bible so that my kids see me reading my Bible because I need to lead them uh, in reading the Bible. Um, make it a habit, okay? Number two, we've got to memorize it. Psalm 119.11, your word, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We got to get the word so deep inside of us. I remember there was this guy, um, this pastor that was one of my heroes. His name was Jude Fuquay. And they, what they would say about Jude is that if you walk up to Pastor Jude and you poke him, the scripture would come out. Let that be said of us, church. Come on, let that be said of us. We got the word hidden in our heart. We know what the, what the standard is. We know what the values are. We know what we stand for and what we live for. We know that we follow a God who is real and reasonable and rational, and he's got a plan for our lives. And our lives line up with the word of God. Number three, we want to meditate on it. Now, this, book of, this, this word, this concept has been co-opted by New Age and other ideas around us, but this is actually very biblical. Joshua 1.8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and have success in all that you do. Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What does this mean? Does it mean to sit in the lotus position and with our fingers up and hum? No, no, no. This means to think on the Word of God. Let the Word of God permeate everything that you do. When you're driving, think about the Word. Think about the Word of God. When you're, when you're at work, think about the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. You know what I love about the Bible, you guys? I love how three-dimensional it is. I love that you can read a passage of Scripture at one point in your life, and it'll mean something to you, but then you read it again at a different part in your life, and it's like the paradigm shifts, and you get a full new understanding of what God's trying to say to you in that moment. This book is amazing, and it's powerful, and we love the Word of God. Think on it. Number four, sing it. Ephesians 5.19, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music in your heart to the Lord. Let's sing songs that declare the truth of his word. There's power in that. We've, been, um, at, we've had youth on, on Friday nights. By the way, if you're here and you're between 6th grade and 12th grade, you're welcome on Friday nights at 7. Um, Tanya and I and Ashley have been running it. It's been awesome. And we've been teaching the kids about worship. And we've been teaching them about getting the truth of God's word in their heart and then singing it out. And when you sing it, there's power behind that song. 
And you begin to declare the truth of God's word and who he is over your life circumstances. And I always tell them at a certain point, guys, just stop for a moment. Put something in your mind right now that is just, you're just focused on right now. You can't get it out of your brain. Maybe something that you felt down about today or something you felt broken about today. Something that's been, you know, coming against you in your life where you're at. And now let's sing this song over it, which is the truth of God's word. And let's declare it. We sing the word of God and it's warfare against the lies of the enemy. And here's my last one today, and then we'll close. Number five, we need to speak it. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. What you declare will influence your life. Let your declarations, let the words that you speak line up with the word of God. But in order to be able to do that, in order to be able to speak it, we got to read it. We got to memorize it. We got to meditate on it. We need to think on it and we need to sing it and speak it. And then we can speak the word of God. In a world that has no greater standard of truth than the subjective self and personal experience, we rely on the word of God as our firm and stable foundation. Life Church, we value the Word of God. I'd like to invite my beautiful wife to come up. And uh, we're just going to have a, a few seconds here, a little bit of time to respond to the Word this morning. Church, I'm so grateful for His Word. I'm so grateful that he has chosen to reveal himself to us. That he is not a God that is far off. But he has chosen to come near to us. And he's put in our hands his living word. This morning I wonder... If you might be here this morning, and when we talked about this idea of a firm foundation, something in you realized that you've been grasping for it. Society around us and the world around us, whether you know it or not, is trying to influence the way that we think. And this morning, there's an opportunity to submit ourselves back to Jesus. I love how Jesus says this to Peter. He says, listen, I tell you, Peter, on the rock of the revelation of Jesus, on the rock of the revelation that I am who I say I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, this is the rock that we build on. It's the revelation of Jesus. And so to begin with, I'd like you all just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. We're always going to do this. I want to speak to you at home right now. 
Maybe you just tuned into this YouTube channel for the first time and, and you didn't even know what was going on. You just thought you'd check it out. And you would say, I've been far from God and I've been building my own truth on grains of sand. And I've started to notice that the things that I thought I could rely on are eroding away. This morning, Jesus is calling to you right where you are. And he is here to meet with you even in your home. You see, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And that the wages of sin is death, which is separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that he became sin, that we might become his righteousness. That God so loved the world that we were yet sinners. He died for us. Paid the price for our sins. And this morning, the Bible tells us that what you need to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is Lord. And you will be saved. You can start a great adventure today. You say, man, I've messed up. I've been building my life on these fragments of truth. You know that in a moment, your life can be placed on the rock. So I'm just going to pray for you today. If you're here, if you're at home, that you too would encounter Jesus today. We're going to close. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those under the sound of my voice today, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit and power. And Father, I pray for those that have felt like their foundation has been unstable. I pray that in a moment, in an instant today, Lord God, you would come and you would place them on the rock. I pray for those that have been putting their faith in all the things around them and the truths that they've gathered. And I pray that today, Lord God, you would cause us to come into alignment with your word. And God, that we would put our trust and hope in you, the firm foundation. Father, I pray that you would meet people right where they're at. That you would come today. And that many would turn to you. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said,